0: So start off by telling me, are you really fine? Hello and welcome to the latest episode of No Really, I'm Fine. I'm Michael Pearson and I'm joined, because she's so busy, on the phone with Gemma. Just for our introduction, you're not on the phone for the whole of today's episode, are you? (laughs) No, no, thankfully not. So yeah, um, in this episode, I have a chat with Sarah Gustafsson and Sarah actually got in touch with me a couple of weeks ago um, and she's from Liverpool and she just had a really nice story and it was a very emotional conversation for me and Sarah and um, so as, as you'll find out shortly, she talks about being Miss Liverpool Care 2019. She talks about her autism, her ADHD, her OCD and her depression and anxiety. And she jokes in the episode she has a lot of letters after her name. Um, but yeah, she, she reflects on the various traumatic experiences for our life. And it's so refreshing and inspiring to see how she's gone on to wear those experiences, if you like, on a sleeve to try and help others. And the fact that she's embracing her body too and is now Miss Liverpool Curve, which is a, a beauty pageant which represents diversity in a range of of plus sizes, it, it's really amazing to see. And, you know, going back to um, the very early episodes of our of our podcast where we talk about body image and body positivity, I feel like Sarah very much represents that. But she also brings something else to the table as well where she's, she's battled quite a quite a hard life as, as you'll find out. Um, and for me, it's been a difficult time for me as, as you know, Michael at the moment. And I really related to what Sarah had to say so much so that we were, (laughs) um, both crying in the studio. Um, you know, and as a journalist, you always try not to cry when you're when you're interviewing someone, and um, just because you you know you want to be professional. But in this case, you know, um, understandably, we're, we're both human, and it, it really did affect us. Um, but so much so that after the episode finished, we actually talked for quite a long time afterwards. And 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 for me, Sarah is now someone I consider a friend. And it's funny because a lot of people say you know they've made many friends in the mental health world and the mental health community since talking about their own experiences and I just feel based on this episode that's very much true and I just just hope that people listening who have who are reaching rock bottom and hopefully not gone too far can really relate to this episode and, and get some help and advice from Sarah as as I very much did. Hi everyone and welcome to the episode of No Really I'm Fine. I am joined by Sarah Gustafsson today who is Miss Lovepool Curve 2019 and she's here today to talk about how she's battled all mental health problems to become Miss Lovepool Curve, and she's just, just here to talk about body positivity and how, how she's sort of overcome that stereotype. So Sarah, welcome. Thank you so Hi, much for joining us. For having me. So we start off by asking all our guests, are they really fine? So Sarah, are you really fine today? Um, to be honest, I'm a bit overwhelmed, a bit nervous. Um,
1: I don't really have done. I haven't really done things like this before. Um, but yeah, I am I'm okay, but I'm not 100% okay.
0: Yeah. yeah, well we're in a safe environment yeah. today so we can just chill, we can just have a chat, it's, yeah. it's, it's all good. So Sarah, do you want to just tell me a bit about who you are and what Miss Liverpool Care is all about? Um, Miss Liverpool Care is a beauty contest for um, plus size girls.
1: I applied for it because I've always struggled with my weight and the factors of me feeling like I won't fit into a stereotypical Size of being perfect, yeah. really affected my mental health when I was growing up. Um, so yeah, that's that's about the beauty contest. It represents girls from all different races, nationalities, sizes, just diverse really. And I'm, I'm I'm classed as disabled also, so I think that's a real nice touch to be able to have that title with my disabilities too.
0: And how did you hear about it? How did you come across um, the
1: competition? I entered the competition a few um a few months back and. It wasn't really for me, but then from that one, I know a few people that were talking yeah. about this one.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned you've always struggled with your weight. So wh- when did that start for you? Was it when you were little? Just talk mm-hmm. me through that. Um, yeah, when I was really young, I remember being as young as seven,
1: um, junior school, and literally not eating like my dinner in school, really, and things like that. Yeah, because I think I'm 29 this year, and when I was growing up, there was none of this. You know, caves weren't really seen as being beautiful. It was really stick thin models. Mm-hmm. And you did used to compare yourself a lot. And I was a bigger kid. Um, I've got ADHD and I, de- I never got diagnosed till I was 24. So I used to impulsively eat too.
2: Right. Okay. Um,
1: to cope with things that were going on. And so I was always a bigger person, bigger. And I got taunted in school and you'd always just felt a bit out of place mm. um, and not comfortable in my w- own skin.
0: Mm. So when you say you were a big kid grow up like what what sort of size do you have to go for bigger sizes or I remember being um, like when all my
1: friends were in um, children's clothes I remember having to be in a woman's size mm. but I was, I was always not, not not necessarily dead fat it was more I was dead tall as well yeah and I was kind of like you know developed faster than a lot of the girls and you know when you're just not comfortable in your body and it does play a massive part in your mental health mm-hmm. um I've also got o c d got loads of letters after my name <laughs> <laughs> and um and that like it's more intrusive thought, so that along alongside of you know having thought about you weight in your body can really torment you
2: mm.
1: um in terms of trying to control
0: food and mm. control things because of the way you feel, so talk me through about the o c d then because i mean I, i'm Forgive me for being ignorant, but I always mm. think like OCD is like, oh, you need different clean and stuff. Is it more? Is there more to it than that? Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. So
1: much more. And um, for me, I'm not clean. <laughs> I'm not dirty necessarily, <laughs> but I'm. You know, I've got like a, me- a chaos mess. If that makes any sense. And um, for me, it's like intrusive thoughts. It's thoughts that torment me that I don't like. Things that I'm scared of. Things that are not necessarily. You know, you couldn't tell somebody what you're thinking because it's really nasty, mm. and. I grew up with these when I was young and they literally, I, I had from the outside, from my family, a gorgeous childhood, mm. but inside I was so tormented because of the things I was thinking and not being able to like tell people because I thought there was something wrong with me. I remember at 19, I went to doctors ready to get locked up because of the way I, I was thinking. I thought mm. I was that vile as a person and um, it's hard, you know, even like talking about it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm a bit t- upset, but it's it's yeah. na- it's natural, isn't it? But now I know that everybody has these thoughts and it's just the power that we give to them. Yeah. But in terms of having OCD, it'll make me, you know, not do certain things or have to do certain rituals and routines to make sure that it's, it, it, it feels better.
2: Yeah.
1: But now I know the only way to break it is to not do them. Right. It's so okay. torturous because everything in your whole body is telling you to, you know, turn that light switch off or... Make, like, even right now, I'm sitting here thinking I haven't put my handbrake on.
2: Yeah. When and you are.
1: rolling away. Yeah. And I'm, I am I pushed it, but I'm thinking, no, but you never. Yeah. And it's this fight, and I'm thinking, gosh, oh, I'll just go and check. Yeah. for well, now, it can't. And it, it's hard to sit in it because it causes so much anxiety. But I think when you know about it, especially the thoughts, because that's the invisible type of OCD. Yeah. Um, and it can be the most damaging because you're doing it to yourself. Mm non-stop yeah
0: and it must be exhausting as well constantly constantly having these thoughts
1: yeah it was when I was growing up it was really bad and also I tried to control everything around me because the way I was feeling and thinking yeah um my dad was really ill when I was growing up so a lot of that was like if you touch that he won't die if you do this he won't do this and and it's you know you can't control the future
2: yeah
1: you've gotten you've physically got no control over anyone else's reactions to life or you only got control over your own, and when your mind and your body, you're playing games. It's really hard.
0: Yeah, I know. Sort of to the understand the extent of what you're saying because, um, my boyfriend's just gone to Benidorm on a holiday, and um, the other week it said that you know Spain was issued with a terror threat, and and especially Benidorm. So. I worry every time, like mm-hmm. you know, whenever he goes away, I worry. But to hear that as well, it was just, it was just um, really tormenting. So, but I'm a bit like that when whenever my, even my dad takes the dog out and stuff, I just worry that he's not going to come home, and it's just little things like that. But I can't imagine having them thoughts all the time. Mm-hmm. It must, yeah, like like you say, it must just be exhausting.
1: It is, it is exhausting, and I think. Like I, I'm, I'm got autism. I've got ASD, ADHD. So I've got loads of letters, <laughs> and I think that the OCD is a side effect of me not being diagnosed and not dealing with, you know, them disabilities as as they are, and just feeling different. And the anxiety that caused it, I feel like I developed OCD from that because I was trying to control things around me because I felt out of control in myself. Yeah. Um. Them thoughts are torturous. It's mm-hmm. like there's no other word to describe them. But when you don't understand them, it's a lot worse. So now I tell myself, ah, you must be a bit stressed there. Yeah. That's why these thoughts are this bad. Yeah. And I kind of listen to them now, where I'd run away from them. Yeah. I think we always do that. We run so far away from them. We've got to keep distracting ourselves because we're so scared of what we're thinking. Um, And for me, you've got to sit there. And it's like, it. this sounds funny, but you know, in school when someone asks you, do you want to have a fight? Do you want to have a fight after school? I know it's funny, but it's not because at the time, how scared are you the whole mm. day? You're like, oh my God, they're going to kill me. Oh my God. And this the what if, the what if, the what if kills you inside, doesn't mm. it? But you know, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't happen or it's nowhere near as bad as you think. And that's what it's like. Mm. It's like that what if game that you play with yourself mentally drains you, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's never as, well, nine times out of 10, it's never as bad as you imagine that it's going to be.
2: Mm.
1: Um, but it's about, sit, for me, it's about sitting in them thoughts now.
2: Yeah.
1: And listening to them mm. and feeling it. Sometimes feeling dead uncomfortable. But then when I've listened to it, I go, okay, thank you for that.
0: So I have to let it pass.
1: Yeah. yeah. Not, rather than going, go away, go away, go away. Yeah. Because I always say, like, I've wrote my own courses, haven't I? And this is one thing I teach people. I say, don't think about that monkey eating a banana with a waistcoat on. Stop thinking about that monkey. And people go, Oh my God, I go, What are you doing? Yeah. And the first thing they say is, Oh, I'm thinking about that monkey. Yeah. And it's the same when you're saying, Don't think about you know your boyfriend's in Yeah, Stop it, he's gonna be okay. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Your brain's thinking about
2: it.
1: Yeah. So sometimes you've got to think about it. You've got to trick the mind and be like, okay, I'll think about you now. Yeah. And then it goes, Oh, okay. And it loses its power. A bit like that bully when you go, Okay, then I'll meet you there. They go, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. strange, but it really it does work. I've noticed as well another strategy I've learned is where I set myself like twelve o'clock ago right you're allowed, you're allowed to think of this now, right. I'm taking the control, yeah, go like, on, you know, think about this thought sometimes you're like you don't want to because' terrible. <laughs> the feelings that come you're more scared of the feelings than the thoughts, aren't you there? yeah, but every feeling has stemmed from a thought,, so mm. it was being hard like
0: yeah, and you mentioned when you were little, um what were some of the thoughts that you were having and and have they changed of you as you've got older um to be honest, it was
1: anything that I was scared of, so. Um when I was really, really, really small, I just disans- like I didn't understand um, you know, about relationships or about anything. So I didn't know all I seen was my mum and my dad together type of thing. So my brain would be like, Oh yeah, you fancy that girl, you fancy that man, you fa-? and I'd be like, I don't, I don't and i would be like, yeah, you do and then because I was like about six or seven it started, I didn't understand that that it's okay. Yeah. it's fine to fancy a woman it's fine fancy a man it's just absolutely love is love like as I grew up because I was young I don't it, it would just play tricks on me like it would be like I don't know I I, I used to care for my little brother a lot because my dad was ill he's um, got renal failure um and it'd be like and my worst fear was anything happening to them I was terrified i have got a little brother and a little sister yeah. so can you imagine similar to you yeah. your boyfriend goes away yeah Um on holiday, and you know, you get scared of what's going to happen, I'd be minding the, my mum un, un, unaware of any diagnosis that I've got, caring for my dad, and I was about 14 to say at this time, and my brain would be like, he's going to put his fingers in that plug, mm-hmm. and then you're, you're going to just sit there and watch him, mm-hmm. and horrible things, and I'd mm-hmm. be like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, like, or yeah. um, this pedophile's going to come and get him.
2: Mm-hmm
1: and you know your are a as well and I'd be like oh my god you're not yeah. and it's so it's just anything that I was fearful of like I'd turn the news off because I don't like it and, and it's you know it's even hard to say even a statement like that because it's such a horrible thing isn't mm. it mm. and like my brain would be like oh my god you're a murderer mm. I'm not and it's like this fight because I'm not yeah. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I was I, I went to the doctor once uh, when I was 19 like I said I had the suitcase ready I didn't even tell my mum and dad mm. it's so hard um, to even speak about I had a little case and I was like, I'm going out, thought I'm getting locked up now, I'm not going to see you again. Mm. Um so had that, mm. talking about that. <sighs> Sorry. No, it's okay, take your time. When I went to the doctors with this case, I generally thought that these thoughts were not normal in sense. Um, yeah, They were so horrible and I'd lived with it for so long. I was about 19, 18, 19 mm. at this point, so this has been going on since I was 12, Yeah, 11, even younger. As I said, when I was six or seven, it was like, oh, you fancy this. Mm. Um, oh, another thing my mum said when I was growing up, from the age of six, every night she used to tell me I'm not going to
2: die. Mm.
1: I'd be terrified of death. Yeah. The brain would be like, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. And, you know, just like things that kids shouldn't worry about. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I went to doctors and the doctor just like put everything down, just looked at me and was like, do you know if you were this person that your brain's telling that you're at, do you think you'd be that upset? mm because I was distraught, I was sobbing. Because mm. I, I was generally thought that I was, I must be this horrible person if I'm mm. having these horrible thoughts.
2: Mm. But
1: it's about it's not a not giving them power. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's when. And I they were fake. They changed a little bit.
2: Yeah. They were fake thoughts, weren't they? None of it was true. It, the
1: thought of they're not true thoughts. a no. hundred percent not true. But it's like it stemmed from an anxiety and a fear. Um. And it's like my worst nightmare.
2: Yeah.
1: My brain will keep holding my worst nightmare and like terrorise me with it. Yeah. Because I'm really sensitive to the way I was thinking at the time. Like The average person I go, "Oh, that was horrible. Try. I'll just let it go. I wouldn't even think mm. twice about it, but I'd be analysing it. Why am I thinking like this? Uh, And it'd make me feel sick. Yeah. To the point of where I would be sick at some point. And it was just horrible. Yeah. It was really was hard.
0: And have they changed as you've got older now, of you, or yeah. is it more you've learnt to ignore or let them pass? I think now it's kind of like
1: as you grow up, life is real. If that makes sense, you kind of get more of a concept of reality and not real, not real. And obviously, when you're young, you don't understand love or you don't understand, you know, you know, any t- form of relationship or you don't understand right or wrong situations, but. As I've grew up, I know that like I kind of worry about things that you know are quite normal, but excessively. So as I said, my dad's still ill, so I'll panic and worry and make myself ill over that. Like I wake him up at three o'clock in the morning just to check he's alive. Yeah. i I phone him and he's, he's like, "Will you will you, you stop it?" <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, "I'm just sorry, love you." And I have to say, "Love you" every time I leave the room just in case something happens. So it is torturous, but as I said, it's not unrealistic thoughts now it's not like you said you're a murderer because I'm like when I have them thoughts <laughs> now I think to myself oh you're really stressed in another area of your life yeah your brain's going back to old habits They're trying to think things to, to relate to the stress Um, so I kind of n- I feel better because I know the difference between something that's kind of normal to worry about and something that's not Um, and I don't beat myself up for them now yeah I used to torture myself for having them
0: mm.
1: but now I think Oh, just a thought.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you said you got diagnosed at 24, was it? Mm -hmm. What took you to that point? When did you say, right, I I think I need to go to the doctors and get a diagnosis? Well, um, personally, I haven't really
1: had amazing experiences with doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always knew that I felt different. I've always overthought everything. I've always been dead sensitive to people's mannerisms and... Because I don't find it very easy to know if someone's being angry with me or not. So I'm overly like, are you angry with me? If that makes sense, which causes me more anxiety because I think they're angry with me and they're not. Yeah. Um, so I've always knew I was a bit different and I've always um, been naughty, in brackets, naughty. No, I wasn't naughty, but just like someone who was like, don't touch that fire. Or why? I want to touch it, see what it feels like. You know, that's my brain, which like is not that always... impulse a, yeah. sort of thing, yeah. It's not always a bad thing because, you know, that's how I learn. I'm really clever in a way. Like, I've got, I, I've got a master's degree. I did a 23 before any diagnosis. Oh, yeah. um, I'm really, you know, when I want to learn something, of my brain's like a sponge. But at the same time, if people don't understand your brain and how it works, you, you know, you can look naughty, can't you? Then yeah. you say, I don't do that. I can't do it. Because my brain goes, why? What are you going to do if I do it? And it asks 10 questions every time you tell me something. And I want to know the answers to all of them. My mm. um, little brother, though, um... He about my saying. Um, has got ADHD, and when he was there's nine years between us. So when he was 14, he got diagnosed with ADHD. It took him a long time. My mum, um, was like, "This is when she had me. She said that she thought, um, you know, it was just kids. Kids are just like that. And then she had my sister, and she 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 was like, "Oh my god, these kids are so different. Yeah. She so thought maybe it just got two different kids and she had my brother and she was like what okay. like, there's a similarity between these two and it was more talked about when he was growing up in school a bit more to watch out for these signs and mm. not as much as it should have been because he got diagnosed at 14 but um more so than when I was in school And um, when my mum spoke to the doctor with my brother um, the doctor said she said my daughter's on antidepressants she's going downhill she won't come out of the room um, the doctors were like and she was like my mum said. He was an absolute twin of you. My mum said, yeah, my mum said that to the doctor and um, the doctor said, well, m- she spoke a bit more to this doctor about me and she, he said to her, go and get a tester for autism too because some of the traits that she's portraying is not just ADHD mm. um, and my brother's now getting diagnosed with, in the process of autism. We've done it back to front the pair of us. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if it wasn't really for that, I probably would have fell through the radar and still been struggling. When I was 19, they put me on antidepressants um, and I wasn't... I was depressed, but more so struggling with these things that I didn't get. Um, I went to 16 and a half stone. I've got stretch marks now all over me and it really messes with me now as a mm-hmm. woman. Because I haven't had children and I see my mates with children. Thank God, their bodies, you know, aren't like mine. And mm-hmm. uh, people don't understand that, you know, you, you can gain weight through illness. You can gain weight through a lot of things. um i never come up with room. I'd come out, but I was like a potato. I'd just go to bed and eat and go to bed and eat. And I lost all personality. I lost everything that I was. Mm-hmm. It, like, numbed my whole body. I think I was on 80 milligrams of Prozac at one point, which is quite high, yeah. especially for a 19, 20, 21-year-old. Yeah. Um, and they made me, they made me worse. I'm not, I'm I've knocking, been on Prozac and, yeah, no. I'm <laughs> not knocking medication and I'm not a no. professional. But I think with any form of medication, you've got to keep checking in with yourself. Yeah, and if I, if for me, I was getting worse and I had to keep taking more and more, why? Yeah, and that's a question I had to I t- I say to people a lot now. Just keep a little diary of you because I lost myself, mm. and I think the recovery of l- finding myself again was really hard. Though.
0: Yeah, and everyone's different, aren't they? So for some people, pros that works for them, yeah. and then or other antidepressants work for them. Yeah. But um, are you still on them now? Then no, no. Um, I at
1: one point I got that I got that bad, um, where I was falling out with people and I just didn't care. I was in a long term relationship and I broke up with him and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. That, like he could have punched me in the face, I wouldn't have felt it. Mm-hmm. I was just like I can't even it feels like them years were like blurred, completely wiped out. I'd sleep most of the time. And I'm such a person with energy and loves life and even ever struggle, like as I said, they had the masters that get up until this point. Like I literally thrive off you know, creativity and stuff yeah. like that. And it just wasn't me. So I went cold turkey. Well, before that, I had this big argument with my mum and, and I just didn't want to be here no more, do you know? Mm. And um, it's hard to even talk about stuff like that, isn't it? I just woke up and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm too tired. I just can't. I don't see the purpose. I don't care. Mm. Mm. That's the way I felt. And, and it's, it says, I don't know, because when you're in that situation, it's not one you've ever been in. Yeah. You can't even describe it to there. Like people can call people selfish and stuff, but you're just not
0: thinking
2: of no. anyone else. No,
0: you're not. You just can't cope. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because when you're not in that state, all you can think about is everyone else because mm-hmm. you're worried what everyone else oh is thinking. Lives, totally. But then when you're in that state, yeah. you don't care. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just like, it's not even like you don't care. You don't have the thoughts to care. Yeah. You're in so much pain that you
1: just can't face it. Yeah. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard yeah. to It's been hard been to feeling like you're alive and everyone else. mm like I, when I did, like tell my family and stuff what I'd done, and seeing like my little sister's face and stuff like that, you know, you do like snap. I don't know. Not say snap out of it because you you don't because you are in well. You're not yeah. well. You can't just snap out of something that like you that you are. But it was the wake-up call I needed to get, to tell myself that what I'm doing at that minute isn't working. Yeah. Um. You know, the days where you go there. But the, the only message the message I'd pa- I'd pass on to anyone is the rain passes, like, mm. that feeling, like, because I'm so impulsive in myself, sometimes you act on an impulse rather than a genuine feeling. You can mm. f- you can feel that intensity, yeah. Um, but it it passes. Mm. And it's when you're in there, you've got to tell yourself, like, this will pass. Mm. It really does, does go. And you've got to hang on in, in there and be brave not to, you know, go talk to someone about oh, how yeah. you're feeling. um. Right, I'd done it the wrong way. After that, though, I went cold turkey. Completely cut them out. And it was horrendous. Yeah. Like, um don't recommend it to anyone. I should have really went to doctors and done it safely. But I was like, no, you took over my life. You know, like, I had this attitude, like, no. Yeah. Um, So I just stopped taking them. And the sweat, the shakes, it was like, it was like my brain was so fragmented. It was, I was, it was so dangerous, to mm. be fair. But when, when that lifted again, um, I, I did struggle a lot. But I was 23 when, when this all happened. And as I said, I got diagnosed at 24, so I was close to getting yeah. answers.
0: So how did you feel when you eventually did get your diagnosis? Oh, it's quite strange because I got diagnosed with Asperger's first. And for
1: me, someone with autism stereotypically the media portrays somebody with autism as one type of way a lot of the time, you know, these shows mm. that you see, and mm. So that's why, like, you know, I think it's as important that people talk about autism in a different way.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm quite, I can socialise, I can, you know, speak to people and stuff like that. You're sometimes. doing this now. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I get so overwhelmed, though, that it's unbelievable. And some days, like, I can't go out the house because it's that, the, it's me, I'm very sensory overloaded. So sounds are ten times louder, you know, sense of touch, someone bumps into you, it's like they've punched you, um, you smell everything, it's like, and if you imagine being in a world where all oh, this is so loud and you're trying to listen to someone talking to you or everything blares into one, you just feel like curling up into a ball and mm-hmm. literally rocking because you can't, it's like painful. Um, Is that like, for you, is that like that for you all the time then? Yeah, yeah. that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um. But being able to talk about it helps because I go to people sometimes, I'm sorry, I've got autism, I'm a bit overwhelmed, so just be with me for five minutes or, you know, you can put your headphones in or... I can only go off a day-to-day basis of whether I can do things. Like today wouldn't have happened if I woke up in a different mindset. Not even a mindset because it, it's something I can't control. It's out of my hands, you know, but I try my best to fight through it. Um, But something as little as this where I seem as, oh, huh, huh, I'll be in bed for it. Di- the rest of the day, really? Yeah, mm. it drains me mentally. Yeah,
2: um,
1: it takes me two days sometimes to recover from little things, because it takes everything you've got. I, have you heard of mirroring? I think so. Yeah, I think I've heard of that before. I think yeah. So typically, girls they say uh, more pro at it. That's what they say. more stereotypical type of <laughs> men, um, but it's like you mirror people's behaviours and we become masters at like watching people. So people say, "How did you get to twenty three? a master's degree and and I must have been like watching every single person around me and portraying all these people. Mm. And for instance, if I go and do a role or, you know, as I said, when I'm well, I run i run courses, I've written my own from scratch, from whatever I've been through. Um, it's like I put on a uniform for that day and I'm that person. Um when I was doing my master's degree, I've it's in fine art. So I've done it in digital. So i have done a film called, Do You Want Me to Be Today? And that's exactly how it feels. Because yeah. like, you want me to be today, okay? I'll be this person, but that's exhausting in itself.
2: Mm.
1: And that's where I feel like you lose yourself again. Because when I did get diagnosed, people were like, "Oh, you've been diagnosed. Like you haven't half changed." And it wasn't. It was like I haven't changed. I've been this person forever. But now I feel like I can give me break, myself a break. Yeah. And I don't have to pretend to be someone else now. Yeah. I've got an, I've got like a bit of a label now where I can go. That's why. So if it want to talk to you, I'm not. Yeah, not because I'm being rude, just because it's going to kill me and make myself, in in a sense.
2: Mm.
1: Um, think diagnosis is a weird one for people because sometimes you think you get a diagnosis and it goes. It's sometimes just the amk to open a door full of mm. work, mm. basically. And obviously 24 years is a lot to unpack when your brain's designed to think a certain way. and no. I kind of lost sense of who Sarah was. Mm. um. Am I ADHD? Am I autism? Am I OCD? Is this Sarah now? ADHD Sarah that can impulsively go blah, 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 blah. Mm. Is this autistic Sarah that can't... But then now it's like I'm just Sarah. Yeah. These are just me. It's not, oh, this is me and this is me. I'm just Sarah and this is the way I am. Mm. And this is the way I'm wired. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Like I accept that sometimes things are more difficult, but then I also accept that I've got a massive gift. And I see the world I, through my own eyes. I can come into people's worlds, but people can't necessarily come into mine, and that can't be a bad thing. Even though can be lonely. Um, I'm I'm quite I'm really creative. I've got a talent within that. And stereotypically, people with autism have a, a particular thing mm. that's their thing. Yeah. Um. So, have you ever watched The Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Sheldon, you know, obviously quantum physicist, Disney, mm. Or And that's his thing. Mm. Um, Mine's art. That's Mm. my scope. That's how I've coped. That's how I've survived. If I didn't have it, I don't think I'd be here today. Really? And my courses, my business is called AU Artistic Courses because artistic and autistic, certainly a difference between it is you and the art. Mm. Me and you. We are. So it's how you look at what you've got. You can look at it like, how it's a disability. Or you can look at it as it's an ability. Mm. Um, I definitely try and use mine as an ability now.
0: So, talk to me about your courses. Then, where is it you run them, and, and who
1: are they for? So, just setting up. So, I've had a lot of um help with the Prince's Trust at the minute, you know, to set up me own business. It's not like I've only just started taking um permitted work a little bit from the Prince's Trust themselves. Um, but I've run it all over Liverpool. I've run it in life rooms. I've run it in um Hubert College, Rotunda College, um Park. um those are the places that I can't think off the top of my head. Um, and it's amazing and. It's stereo oh, bypass young person's advisory service. Mm. It stereotypically works better for 14 plus as I've found.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't tweak it for younger, but I think sometimes there's an element of wanting from the person who's doing the course to want to improve themselves. You know, you can't force anyone to learn anything or so I think when they're a bit younger, you kinda of see it like, you know, you're just another class, you're just maths. Ugh. You know, so Um, these courses are both from my heart, the how I've coped from that transition period of being suicidal, not coming out of my bedroom to now, not being on medication, um, you know, setting up my own business. I've got a PGCE, I'm a teacher, um, having a master's degree, you know, a drive, things that I never thought I'd be able to do. Um, I live on my own. Um, don't get me wrong, I have a lot, a lot of support, a lot, um, I'm not, you know, a golden woman on my own. I feel like I am because of the things I do myself. Yeah. But the journey I've been on is huge. Like If you were to see me a few months ago, not even a few months ago, a few years ago, I'm completely different. And it started with me taking responsibility for myself. Stop looking outside. That Mm -hmm. doctor to fix me, that tablet to fix me, that person, that course, that everything to fix me. And I never... I come at it a different, in a different perspective because I don't promise I'm going to fix people's lives. I promise I'm going to show them how i fixed fix mine. Yeah. And then hopefully I can inspire them to do the same. So it's basically, a I wouldn't say a mental health course, even though it's a lot of mental health awareness is inside. It's a general wellbeing course for anyone who just wants to improve the, well, the, ma- the mindset. Everything that we do and think starts with how we, how we think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything we feel starts with how we think and we don't realise it. Like, what did you think when you first woke up this morning?
0: Uh, uh, I'm tired. I'm not going to the
1: gym today. <laughs> exactly. Like nine times out of 10, people can't remember or it's negative. Mm. And we we we're not born like that. It's something we do over time. So we start our day off on a negative. Mm. So I like play games where I say, right, you've got to get wake up and recognise what you're thinking straight away and then to replace it with something better. So what are you grateful for? You know, and mm. I have to play these games with myself in the morning because that's, sometimes that first thought for me was everything. to whether I got up that day or not yeah like and it, I'm not I'm not dissing people or myself who has a bad day and stays in bed it's okay to be there yes. you can't be there tomorrow mm. you can't you're allowed to give yourself that space but you've got to take some form of responsibility and owning it when you don't own who you are and how you are you're powerless
2: mm.
1: and powerlessness in any circumstance in life is the most painfulest thing mm. you know if you're going through a heartbreak you know grief you're powerless to how you're feeling. Mm. OCD. You're really powerless. Start your hands. <laughs> yeah. But if you can start trying to, re- I wouldn't say control, but replace the thoughts that you're having with better ones, you do become more well. Mm. Um. I've been to Buddhist monasteries. Have yeah. What were yeah. they
0: like? Amazing. Yeah. And you know,
1: I've just, always wanted to go to something like yeah, that. Yeah. I just wanted to go to. I'm not religious. Um you know I'm open to I love every religion I like learning from every person I'm just one of them people Um, but I like I needed I couldn't understand how someone could be so calm and how someone can sit there for that long when my brain doesn't leave me alone and I'm fidgeting and I can't sit still and I'm like Argh! so I just wanted to really look into it so meditation helps me so much now mm. um, so basically this course has roved from every avenue of my life every strategy I've got Um, and it's artistic it's fun Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's creative. Um, It's like, it's real. I've had people, men, um, which obviously is a massive thing now, men, opening up, isn't it, and Mm -hmm. speaking. Um, You know yourself, it's the biggest killer in men. Um, I've had this 65-year-old man come over to me and say, nothing's ever worked before. I've done every course. I've done everything, but this is really gelling. And I think because I've got it, I live it. I approach it like that. I'm no different to you. I'm... these 14-year-old children or, you know, young people or, or adults. I'm no different. I'm not a mental professional coming in you know, with a clipboard. I live, breathe, it, eat, sleep and do all this. Yeah. As well, I've got loads of experience working with Melton Love. I'm a teacher. I've obviously got a Master's in Art. So it all fuels together.
2: Mm.
1: But having it is everything. Mm. It's that relation. Mm. Um, I wrote the comments I got in the princess Trust recently. Was, they were so impressed out how I created a safe space for these young people. To massively open up to me when they didn't really know me.
2: Yeah,
1: because I really, I think any counselor, any doctor, any you know even teacher, you can't. There's a a relationship there that you've got to have where you can't disclose who you are Mm. to that person. But for me, getting well was seeing other people open up who they are and being not afraid of their conditions and Mm. and really own it. That made me be comfortable with who I am Mm. enough to work on myself. So I just have that approach because I can, because so I've got that platform where I can say, you know, I've got autism, I've got ADHD, I struggle with depression, I've got anxiety, I, you know, I've been suicidal before, I've self-harmed massively. Like mm. all these things I can relate to on a scale than until you go through them, you, you know,
2: mm.
1: you can't physically tell someone what it feels like till you're there. Yeah. I believe that with everything that I've got. Mm. When I was like 19, my eyes used to roll to the back of my mind. Like, As soon as a doctor would come in, I'd be like, how do you know? Mm. I'd get so angry. And I'd be like, how do you know? Why are you giving me that tablet? That's my attitude. I'd be so snotty. And in my master's, I, had to, I actually wrote a book called Listen, which is, I had made loads of films with no sound on, called Listen, because that's the way I felt. I was telling them all this stuff, but none of them could hear me. Yeah, I was drowning. No one could actually hear me. No one could see me. I was just invisible. I was just um, an experiment, mm. a tablet, a, a pair, like, go away and that I'll fix shit. it. It didn't fix me. Um, I had to do it myself. And I think just waking up and thinking, this one doctor, I'll give him, he, you know, when you have one of them significant moments that, like, yeah. you go, oh, put his arm on my shoulder and, you know, obviously unprofessional because I don't like being touched or not on me. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? And he went, Tim, um, you do now. This is how blunt he was. You do know, nothing's N- going to fix you, now. Mm. you know, only you. Nothing. Nothing. N- N- part of me went, oh, thinking, oh my God. But then I thought, it's so all right. I've got mm. a choice here. I have got to, you know, you can't just go, I'm going to get better. Cause that's not, you've got to be kind to yourself. You've got to really be kind to yourself. Um, But you've got to, first of all, accept that it is your job
0: mm.
1: and kind of look inwards a bit rather than outwards.
0: So going from there to, a beauty pageant? Then was that something that you thought was your next step in terms of you wanted to show to the world how far you've come? Um, to be
1: honest, I'm not. I wasn't necessarily my first initial thought thinking about the world. I'm 30 next year, and I felt like a lot of my younger years were wasted. You know, I felt like I've lost them. Um, I got even a be choked up talking about that because that's exactly that's how I feel. I feel like I was like a, a potato. That's the way it was. I wasn't me. And i missed out on all these years where I found, I, I found myself hating myself. I thought I was grotesque. I used to make myself sick. I used to self-harm. I couldn't have lo- self-loathed who I was and, mm-hmm. and how I looked so much. And, and it doesn't matter how many people tell you you're beautiful. Or it's when you don't see it or feel it yourself, I think, you know, it doesn't, it, it's, it's got to be an inside job. I've been 10 stone before, 16 and half stone before, and I've felt the same. Yeah. It is how you feel. You know, if you get on scales and they tell you a lower number, even if the lines, yeah, you're going to feel different. Mm. That, told, that taught me something. I so thought, this is something in my head. This isn't about my body. And why am I so obsessed with trying to, you know, if I had loads of money, I probably would have had so much surgery. And because the things I don't like about myself. And, and as I grew up, I thought to myself, why can't I? Do that. Mm. Why? Can't I? You no, know, I got picked on a lot. I remember one boy saying to me once, um, I remember I was just allowed to go to town, you know, just allowed to start drinking, which is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and um I not remember someone saying, You can't come because only nice-looking people can come. And now I know I'm not ugly, I know mm. I'm not, I know. Um beauty is in the in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Have you ever seen someone who you thought was drop dead gorgeous? they opened the mouth and you were a horrible person mm. and you've you just naturally they become ugly to you yeah and have you ever seen someone you thought oh they're, you know, they're okay but then you got to know them and they are stunning mm. and everything about them is gorgeous everything like, I generally believe it shines from within mm. hugely in your personality in your mannerisms in your way um, and if I can so go and swimming when I was younger even now oh my god it's something I battle with. Mm. Um, something I'm trying not to because I want to represent the fact that, you know, I'm body confident and stuff like that. But if I had to be dead honest, I'm human. Mm. Um, and it's that little girl, isn't it? It's that little you. It's not the you now. Mm. The you now knows, knows what's going on in the world and is strong. The little girl's like, oh, when she's a bit broke, you know, she comes up, doesn't she? Mm. And every time I put a cosy on, she's there. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, <gasps> every time I've got my swimsuits on, she's like, Ugh. my two best mates are older than me. And we're um, still best mates now. And I'm so lucky. We used to go swimming. And one of them would run in front of me with a towel and the other one would run behind me. Otherwise I wouldn't get in.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and I thought, no, I'm taking this power back. Like, by the time I'm 30, I'm getting on stage in a bikini and I'm owning who I am. Stretch marks, all these flaws. Because it represents a journey to me. Mm-hmm. I'm getting, like, choked up. this, Being hard. Yeah. Really hard. But I wouldn't change anything. Mm. I really wouldn't. And I want that message to be for someone out there now, like... You've got a, your pain can be power. It can. Mm. It can be powerful massively. You can own it. You can use it to relate to someone. You've got the power to save people's lives when you feel that way. Mm. And um I know I've stopped people from killing themselves. I've got messages. I've got it online, Facebook and Instagram vlog, <laughs> which is <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um which is called mental health Diaries, And it is that. So as I mentioned. In my masters, I made videos. Um, so for me, it's behind the closed doors, person that no one sees that people need to see.
2: Yeah,
1: that is what people need to see. People see me out, you know, in town or dressed up, or and they would never know in a million years what I go through. Or even just have a look around the house, mm. you know. <laughs> but you know, we all got that person. haven't me, you yeah. see it, food on our top, odd socks on. That's like a daily for me. Um, and I'll make videos they're so raw and they're on that web they're on that and for me it was kind of putting it all out there even though people were telling me not to you're exposing yourself and but I thought how else is these these young girls gonna know and how else if it's not me who else is it gonna be and that's the way I felt and I felt like in a way I've been given all this stuff for a reason Mm. and I really do feel like I can really I can help so many people Um and you know what going back to the beauty pageants and even my courses you've got to start with the real reasons of why you're doing stuff and everyone's got an ego and not let it get tucked away with it oh I miss Liverpool do you know know, Mm. obviously I think yes and all that a little part of me but the real reason is I want to you know represent what I felt and Mm. how I felt and same with my courses I want to save people's lives Mm. I want to help people not go through half of the you know the torment and the torture that I went through if I can just tell someone that I'm having these horrible thoughts, maybe that I have them and it's okay. Mm. Um, and, you know, it just it makes you go, oh my God, really? Because I lived in silence for so long and now I, f- I felt like when I got my power and got, got a bit better and well, I had to scream from the rooftops so like it's okay, do you know, like, yeah, in yeah. a sense. <clears throat> these videos, if you, you could check them out and on, on the, some of them on YouTube as well. Some of them are dev funny. Some of them, I'm literally sobbing I'm having panic attacks on some of them. Some of them, um, you know, trying to flirt in the gym. I mm. haven't got a clue. And I'm laughing because I'm like, I'm on the treadmill. Like, have oh, you going anywhere? Because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like, things with like my autism don't come natural. Yeah. The way people, I'm not saying flirting comes natural to people, but, uh, you know, some people are born with certain skills that <laughs> I just haven't got and they've got to learn how to do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, they just, looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. Because you, it does shape you, yeah. And this Miss Liverpool contest for me, I I, I love I love not more than to be a diverse, you know, class as disabled, autistic, or model for these younger girls, um, and men. Because mm-hmm. you know, I know my my family, men, my family, my brothers, they really struggle the way, yeah. it, um, they struggle so much with what they are wearing and how they look, and massive thing in men that's not even noticed as much. But if I can just be a bit of reality to people, I think that's massive. It's magic, isn't mm-hmm.
0: it? And with the Miss Liverpool Curve, um, the competition, does it end at some point? Is this is the like, stages you have to go through? Um,
1: so I am Miss Liverpool Curve now yeah. in 2019. But then I compete for um, Miss Beauty, Miss British Beauty Curve um, 2019 in August. So really? I'll have that yeah. if I win that. Uh, you know, I'd obviously be, love it to win, it'd be amazing. But if I don't, I've already won because for me, and then that sounds so I've already won, you know, cliche, genuinely, that is for that little girl. Yeah. But I can get on that stage in that in that swimming costume in front of an audience, in an arena, you know, theatre. God, like I'm not religious, but God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, wow, like I can literally do you feel like you'd be able to do anything then? I'm powerful. Yeah. I'm a powerful person and, and I'm letting go of the hate Yeah, and the people who said can't and it's something for me. It's powerful for me. You can do anything. It is, uh, when I put them videos out there, if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? If I don't do this, who else is going to do it? Yeah. Do you know who else is going to teach my little sister that when she watches Love Island tonight or whatever show she watches, she doesn't have to look like that. Mm. You know, who else is going to do that? Because that, for me, was one of the, Biggest, biggest factors in my mental health, I mm. think, growing up. Yeah. Feeling overweight and, and, obviously, when you've got an illness, that makes you really eat because you're so impulsive and so down. And you, know, you want to feel better quickly,
0: don't you? I, you yeah. know, you're getting a little
1: tiny bit of happiness through binge eating mm. um, and then feeling disgusting afterwards. It's took a proper cycle. I struggle with food so much even now. Um, a lot better life now. Um, I think when I see these girls now on, on, on the advert and that, you're like, yes, girl, aren't mm. you? Because you don't look at them any different. You think you're mm. gorgeous. Yeah. And I think my message to any person is being unapologetically yourself and not having to justify yourself to anybody and owning who you are from the inside out is the most attractive, beautiful quality any person could ever have. Mm. Ever. When you know how gorgeous you are from the inside out, everyone else knows. Mm.
0: Because everyone like wants a that piece of That confidence, isn't it? Yeah. So, Sarah, I feel like I could talk to you for ages. Um, but oh no, la- sorry, I didn't think I had any insight. <laughs> <laughs> lastly, where can people go then if they want to like find out a bit more about you and find out a bit more about how to get on your courses?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm in the process of setting my website. It is half set up, but it's a, um, a Wix account. So it's a, U- a U- Artistic. I think it's com. But if you go onto Facebook and type in AU Artistic Courses, I'm on there. Also, my name's Sarah Gustafson, but I've got a page on Facebook called Mental Health Diaries, and that's where, you know, you can check out the vlog. A lot of things are on there. Um, But, yeah, so my me, me business is called AU Artistic co- Courses, so that's online. I haven't actually got a phone number yet. I'm still in this last step of getting a little grant to get, you know, me leaflets done and things like that. But, yeah the website will tell most of it yeah um, but you can contact me on facebook and social media brilliant sarah
0: thank you so much for thank joining you. us today it's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you thank you thank you so much